Hello and welcome everybody for a new episode of the Advanced Real Estate Talk. This is Aurelien. I'm here with my co-host Glenn and Darcy. The topic of today is negotiation and it's a topic we were looking forward to um, discuss together. There is a lot to say and it's, it's a key it's a key element in many, many aspects of human interaction, and uh, it's also valid for real estate investing. So who would like to get us started? What about you, Glenn? <laughs> sure. I, I'm not going to go nice and quick through this and let uh, Darcy take this over. But um, uh, I don't know about that. <laughs> this is not my strength. You're going to find that out. So anyway, with, with me, I was just trying to close a property this last Friday. And... The closing wasn't going well. The wiring wasn't going well. The seller like basically slipped some stuff into the contract. I had it reviewed by a lawyer. It is legit that I'm going to have to pay the back taxes, which is only $1,000. But they slipped it in the contract. They put it in the wrong paragraph intentionally. They, the, our, our, uh, sorry, my lawyer who reviewed it said, they intentionally hid this from you. Like they put it in a, a paragraph that you wouldn't normally read much because it's just like, you know, hey, what are the, you know, uh, it, was, it was in the part with the financing, which shouldn't be there, right? And so I'm doing closing in cash, so I wasn't really reading, fine reading the financing part, right? Anyway, they slipped it in there, only a thousand bucks, but there's just a bunch of things that were sort of irritating me with this deal. Um, but where I was going with this is all these negotiation, by the end, I was just like, we already had this under contract, so this isn't really the perfect example, but I was ready to walk away. I was ready to just let the whole thing go and I think if you have that mentality and you're not tied to this property and you're not going to throw good money to save a deal that you've emotionally attached yourself to, you have to be able to push yourself back and think about the, the, the actual money and the fundamentals of this deal. And can you actually walk away from this? Because a lot of people have invested time sometimes, especially Darcy, if you've invested uh, money into surveys and digging holes in the ground and going through yeah. this whole thing. If you find yeah. that you're like, it's not quite what I thought, are you willing to just fight and make it what you want? Are you willing to walk away? And I got to yeah. the point where I was willing to walk away. And I just said, you know what, this is where it's at. We're having so many problems with everything to close this. It looks like it's going to close this afternoon. So we're, we're actually are good, but I was ready to walk away and I, I used private money to buy this and I called the private lender and they're like, do you want us to um, send a second wire? Cause the wire the first wire didn't make it there. It got audited again. Right. So I'm mm -hmm. like, do you want us to send more money? And then you can pay us back with the first wire when it eventually shows up. And I'm like, no, I'm like, we're going to let this play. And if it doesn't work out, we're walking. I'm not going to throw more money at this. I'm not getting you to jump out of your seats and empty your bank accounts to do this. I'm like, if it doesn't work, I have other deals we can put the money into. I'm like, yeah. if I lose my security deposit, it happens. Or earnest money deposit, it happens. I'm like, we're not going to throw good money at this. If this isn't going to go, if it's going to be too hard, we're all walking away. It's a great yeah. position to be in. Uh, it's a position of strength. And um, my, my wife was reading a book, I remember, where the idea was you, you, you invest so much effort and time into something that it's hard to to let go of it but i recently had the case myself i was looking at an investment opportunity in the u.s and it everything looked nice um but the and all the mobile homes were owned by the the tenants so that's that's usually ideal yeah 
ideal. And uh, but the the it was septic. It was uh, outside of city limits. It was inside the city limits, but kind of out on the outskirts. And uh, the septic tank didn't pass the test, so we had to move, walk away from it. And uh, yeah, so we spent some money, but yeah, it would have been a bad a bad situation with a very costly remediation. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we, we can talk about all these different tactics to try to negotiate, but I'm, I'm not a real big tactic guy. Uh, I, 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 I'm pretty straightforward with, with people, but I think, yeah, this is very valuable to, you sometimes have to lose money on the deal now analysis. And it's hard, especially if you're the general partner, because it's your money, right? Absolutely. Yep. No, um, I think you both brought up maybe one of the foundational things is you have to know who you are in that deal and be comfortable with who you are and what your values are. And that's not both your internal values and what you have on the table and what you have at stake. So if you have on the table, just your ego and your stakes are high that you can make a lot of money from this or make a really great project that's important to you for a variety of reasons and all it's, and your ego's on the table, you're kind of a fool. So knowing yourself and knowing what you're bringing to this deal is, is hugely impo uh, important. I think you both touched on that. I know I've taken some courses and I have to acknowledge this is maybe one of my weakest, you know, I got lots of weaknesses and this is maybe my weakest stuff. So I've read lots on this. I practiced, I've made flow charts in deals. I've had recipe cards for if then sub, you know, kind of things. Imagine a little tree. If they say this, if they go here, then I'm going to go with this. And I've had these cards laid out on my desk, which like crazy, crazy stuff. I actually took a course from the Canadian Professional Management Association on negotiating and they had proposed this the the uh, guy in it had been a, a negotiator with the auto pact so he was making the rounds teaching in saskatoon on a wednesday and and lethbridge wednesday afternoon calgary all day thursday two courses available um it was really good but his thing was uh your perfect time for negotiating is 11 o'clock on a tuesday morning 11 a.m at 11 at 11 50 that's when you call because like, oh, they're hungry, I, want to get out. Oh, that's right. He says they've almost got their coat on. They've turned their computer off, and then you ambush them, and then you come at them with you know A and B, and just as you're signing off, you add another kicker to it, something else that you want that you were really phoning for, but you throw it in at the last minute. So I tried some of these things. People just get pissed off because they know what you're doing. It's manipulative. <laughs> you're the jerk, and I've been on the other side of this. We had a a retailer, a regional retailer out here in Western Canada that has 148 stores. So significant. And they're two of their tenants in a couple of our buildings. And their guy was a seasoned real estate negotiator. And this is his clever, his perfect tactic. He had my cell phone number and he would phone me at 625 on a Friday night. And it'd go like this. I'd, I'd see the phone ring and I go, oh crap. I've just opened a bottle of wine. I'm just talking with my wife at dinner. And we're just, you know, cutting vegetables or doing this and chit chat and how's this. And there's this call. And we're going to call this guy Barry. Won't use his real name, but he calls and he'll be like this. Hey, uh, Darcy, just on the way to the airport. I'm flying to Los Angeles. It's uh, my grandchild's brisk. Uh, here's the thing. What I need from you uh, Monday morning before 7 a.m., I need from you. And then he'd list off some outrageous stuff, a concession on our lease. Uh, we need to set aside our cam costs, our common area maintenance costs for at least six months. Uh, I'm going to need like two bucks a square foot off. 
you're, you're going to have to do something for it. So we'd have this 45 minute conversation while my wife's rolling her eyes. She's turned the heat off on the food and she's just there simmering, of course, and the food's getting cold. And said, like, we agreed. I said, no, no, we can't do this. No. And listen, it's Friday night. I'm not doing this. Why don't we call? So he would in- introduce a shopping list of crazy false urgency. I need it before. I need to know now. I need to send an email to the CEO that we've got something agreed to here. And then he would hang up. And I, all weekend, I'd be like, this is outrageous. This, nobody, nobody should do this. Monday morning, we call. And he'd summarize in an email, Sunday night at 11, things that we never agreed to. And then want to talk about a Monday morning. So I just felt like I'm just dealing with all these crazy items. You get lost in the deal. You're so upset. You're emotional because what he's asking for is outrageous. You've already signed a five-year deal. He's changing the deal four months in or six months in. Um, you just feel manipulated. And I recognize from that, I don't want to be that guy manipulating other people. Um, I am more comfortable with being straightforward. This is what I need. I'm not going to give you a fake, faked up number. I'm going to tell you, this is what I need. This is why I need it. And this is what the deal would look like with us. I'm, you know, and I'm counting on that. I'm not going to have to remember some crazy positions that I'm going to forget or on cards that I'm going to know my numbers, know what I need and speak clearly and directly and hope that integrity and honesty uh, win the day. There's other programs out there that are pretty tricky, but Holy smokes. I, I just couldn't manage all the ins and outs of what he was doing. It just felt manipulative and made me angry. Yeah. It, it ruined our relationship. I was, I celebrated when that guy uh, retired. I hated taking calls from him. Yeah, no it was wonder. awful. And I know for myself, uh, when I'm in negotiating negotiation uh, situation with uh, maybe um, uh, we can talk about two, two cases, negotiating with um, a seller and negotiating with a tenant. Uh, negotiating with a seller, I, you know, there is this adage where, you know, it's very important to listen and to understand, you know, what their pain points are and then try to solve this, these, consider these as your own problems and try to find a solution that helps them through those problems. And uh, so some of the pain points can be um, recently I had something around the capital gains tax. So, you know, you can talk to an accountant and figure out, you know, are there ways to, uh, uh, li- yeah, limit. So we'll finance it, spread it out, yeah. bring into the yeah. yeah. financing over five years. And then uh, are there other ways you can, you know, alleviate those pain points? And, and important is the ability to listen. And uh, that's something, you know, uh, Chris Voss in his book, uh, Never Split the Difference, uh, has uh, talks a lot about it and listening to the other party, understanding what's going on for them and, and asking yeah. questions and, and listening to the answers that you receive from those questions. Because very often, I know for myself, I'm guilty of it. I'm going to ask a question and I'm so focused on my question. And I thought for so long about my question, I won't even listen to the answer. Mm-hmm. I really need to make a concerted effort to listen to the answer. And yeah, has this other concept um, of calibrated questions. So these are open-ended questions. And uh, I, I mentioned them because I had a hard time understanding them. And I think, I think I have a better understanding now. And the idea you make indirect uh, request our suggestions without being pushy or sounding needy and uh, that's another way of approaching uh, the negotiation and, and get the other party to to hear what your uh, position is getting them to be in your shoes and then move the the the, the deal further and the other tactic i like to use is to um to try to find ways that you are on the same 
page. Like, for example, I can be on the same page, you know, we talk about the banker and then the seller and I are on the same page. I want the seller to have as much money as possible. Now, how much money am I going to get from the bank? And then, you know, we're on the same page and then we're looking together in the same direction. Okay, what is mm -hmm. the bank going to say? So that's another way yeah. of getting them on, on board with, uh, with what I, I with my, what my situation is. Yeah. You said I some valuable things there too, is you were saying you were, you're looking to fix their, their pain points. You're like looking for a solution to the, their pain points. Um, whereas you listen to some of the tactics and it's to push on those pain points. And I, I, I'm not good at that. Uh, and I'm the same way. I'm like, let's find a win-win. Like what, mm -hmm. if I was on your side, what would work to get me out of that? Like what, because I've been on both sides. I've been in properties I don't want to be in. And I'm like, but like, what would work? Like, where do you need all of the money right now? Could you just need, what, what is the, what are you planning to do with the money? Is a good question. Mm, and yep. the team people are like, oh, I really want to just buy a trailer or a boat or something like that. And you're like, oh, well, how about we just give you enough for that? And I'll sell our finance. There's lots of, if you know what their pain points are, it's not that you're going to push on them to try and steal this property from them. It's maybe there's a win-win in this and maybe they don't need all the money. Maybe there's yep. certain things like, or maybe like they, they need a place for their dad to live. So you could, you know, I'll give them a unit, right. And, you know, at a really discounted price for a certain amount of time. And well, you, you know why, or what their point is, you can find something that works for everybody. Yeah. I think the key is keep your eye on what you want to get out of this. If you know yourself and you know what your numbers are, what you, where you're at in the deal, um, sometimes you can get drawn into the emotion. Uh, you can start listening to their struggle. Uh, if you're an empathetic person, you can understand their, their problems. Um, but you can also be drawn emotionally into it and, the, um, and be distracted from what you want. Um, I've had partners that are pissing over $20,000, splitting $20,000 on a $2 million deal. It's, we're now talking about 1%, splitting the 1%. On a deal that we see an upside of at least four to five hundred thousand dollars that you'll never remember, you're financing seventy percent of that ten grand now. So that's really you're now down to talking about three thousand dollars of real cash, and you're ready to walk away from a deal for three thousand dollars with an upside of four to six hundred thousand dollars. It makes no kind of sense, but your your ego gets involved, your emotions get involved, you start projecting onto them ill intent. Uh, they're idiots, they're uh, aggressive, they're, you know, greedy, why won't they do this? And, you know, our, uh, you know, bragging in the bar three years later, won't be about the $10,000 that you chiseled out of another person. It'll be about the $500,000 of new value that you added, the renovation and the quality of the suites, the streetscape, the way that you improved a neighborhood, how you paid back your partners. Those are way better things to focus on. And sometimes you get lost in the minutiae of the deal and your ego, it's really easy to do. Um, and, you know, you come home and you're angry and you're upset for four days while you work this thing through. Um, it's just not worth getting into it like that. At least not for me. I don't get uh, energy out of a fight. Uh, if I find it, it's a high cost. And I like also, um, as, I, as I became a bit more sophisticated as an investor, I learned that, uh, you know, there is not, it's not only all about price uh no. if you 
dig right. a little bit deeper, you realize that, you know, like Glenn was saying, you know, talking about pain points, uh, there are other aspects to a deal. And, you know, these are the conditions. Uh, so you can work on the terms, the terms of the deal. And, and then that's where you can, you know, maneuver, massage the deal into something that works for both parties. Totally yeah. agree. Yeah. One of the Go challenges ahead. with re- yeah, one of the challenges with real estate though is that you're you're represented by two agents and it's supposed to take the emotion out of it. Now you're you could have a good agent that calms you down or an agent goes, "It's outrageous what they just said. I can't even tell you the things they said, but you wouldn't like them." And it gets you all inflamed. It maybe strokes their sense of needfulness or that they're important to the deal, but it alienates you from the other party and sometimes puts you at a distance to solve problems. Um what we negotiate, I negotiate with tenants constantly and contractors, and that's that's personal, that's face to face. If you want impersonal negotiations, well, it's maybe either through a lawyer or a real estate agent. But I negotiate with um, my tenants constantly about rent increases, about what kind of work, about difficulties with other tenants. Um, you know, every eviction can be avoided with a negotiation with a tenant, yes. almost, almost, and for your benefit and for everyone's. So I do that constantly. Um, the last resort is eviction. Uh, that's a failed negotiation. So I try desperately beforehand to save tenancies and relationships before we. Oh, and go I, to the I would love, in most cases, to try to get around the realtor to talk to them, um, oh, to totally. talk to the, the the people making the decisions instead of having because you don't know how they're, you know, it's uh, what do they call that with the the monkeys and the telephone and telephone tagging you don't know how that what the, your message is going to sound like by the time it gets through two realtors to the other person mm-hmm. right yeah um, that's right and you know like i'm always like yeah i'll sign your non-disclosure agreement i'll sign your bra i'm like let you're gonna get paid just let me let me talk because <laughs> i'm like maybe i can you know we, maybe we, i can finesse this a little bit better like i can um i'm like we can just sit down and i think people can hear tone in your voice and if you're, yeah. you're calm and you're relaxed and you got rid of these, sometimes, the, like you said, the realtors that are a little bit worked up about stuff, mm-hmm. you don't know who, who all is in the middle. And if you can just come in and be calm and let's, what is the problem? Let's fix the problem. Let's solve the problem. Yeah. And, and the other thing I find interesting is uh, trying to be personable, you know, trying to be personal when you, when you, when you submit an offer, you know, you can accompany it with a, a letter describe telling a little bit the seller about yourself. And uh, I, I like to use that opportunity to, uh, to kind of establish a, a relationship because it's also about rapport and being able. So we say that there are intermediaries and sometimes, you know, you can be in the situation where you can talk directly to the seller and then you can, yeah. you can try to build a rapport with them and, uh, that helps with listening and, uh, and finding a common solution. Yeah, because even if you're buying from a wholesaler, which is what I often do, I'm talking to the wholesaler and trying to like, these are the points that you need to now talk to with the seller to change the price. And that's, <laughs> you know, how good are they at doing that part, right? Mm. You know, and like a lot of times I don't know this wholesaler, this somebody new. Or, or it's our second yep. time. Like, I don't know. Some, and some, maybe the, the wholesaler is open to you and they're like, yeah, I'm brand new. Maybe yeah, it, that's the tough part. These people in the middle and you yep. talk about it. And even when you're, you talk about these other people and not quite the same thing, but people are always looking to get more direct. Um, you talk to people who are Airbnb hosts and they're always, every time I interview one, they're trying to do a conversion to get the tenants 
to book direct instead of going through the platforms. And there, that, that, it's a big thing. Platforms take a lot of money and platforms distance you guys, the, the, yep. the two people. Yeah. I would say though, some of my investors, they want that intermediary. They want me to, to front the tenants, the contractors and all that other stuff. They just want quietly, no conflict. I put money in, you do the negotiations. So they want me in that spot of, and I can understand the position yeah. of a realtor. Lots of people, it's one, I was described to me, you can have an incredibly contentious real estate transaction between two parties. And because there's a realtor and a lawyers between them, those two same two parties, the purchaser and the seller, could be sitting in the same restaurant at adjacent tables, having a beautiful meal, discussing how stupid the other side is. And they don't even know they're talking about each other. They never have to see each other. They don't know each other. I mean, some people really want that. Um, I, I don't know. I'm like, Glenn, I, I think my, uh, my gifts are maybe solving problems and I can get to a, a solution. Just give me a shot at it. But sometimes the structure doesn't allow for that, which is unfortunate. But it's okay. It's part of it. There's, like I like to say, there's always another deal coming. So don't get too invested in this one. Just move on. Yeah, uh, it would be, You kind of uh, poo-pooed on your own cards and stuff. Um, mm -hmm. But the thing about doing that is if you can, for actually doing any of this negotiation. Oh, you mean the recipe cards? The recipe yeah. cards. Yeah. But yeah. If, you, if you can do that, once you have those cards, you can now mm -hmm. outsource your job. So you could hire somebody to do it and you could train them to do your job. And, you know, if you're trying to work yourself out, we're always talking about systems like that mm -hmm. is you, you've built out your, your conversation pieces. Right. And it doesn't have to be like crazy negotiation tactics on there. It'd be like, cause sometimes it's just a script you have to go through. You need certain information from the seller and maybe you can save yourself some time. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's all about that's defining your job. And that's to really defined your whole negotiation, your whole conversation at a time. You know, so well, someone like else could have that conversation instead of you. Okay. Maybe I'm bringing back the getting to yes. And the, uh, and the, uh, what is it? The uh, Harvard negotiation project and all my recipe cards. <laughs> bringing it back. <laughs> I think we, uh, I think we had a, a good episode today about negotiation. We hope that you, um... I hope it helps. Yeah. Yeah, I hope you, it helps and I hope you enjoyed it. Feel free to leave a review and uh, we look forward to seeing you all next week. Thank you. All right. See you, everybody. See ya.